You're listening to sermons from St. Macarios the Great, Orthodox Mission in Hyde Park. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus Christ. The Feast of Pentecost, which we celebrate this day, is not solely a Christian festival. In fact, it has its origins in the Old Testament scriptures, which provide a rich background for the significance of this feast. Of course, the word Pentecost means 50th in Greek, but in the Hebrew scriptures, this feast is called by another name, Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. It's given that name because it takes place seven weeks or on the 50th day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We hear mention of this Feast of Weeks in Exodus chapter 34. You shall keep the Feast of Weeks with the first fruit of the wheat harvest. So as you can see from Exodus then, this festival was originally connected with the agricultural cycle. The grain harvest in the scriptures would last for seven weeks, and at the conclusion of the harvest, the people would celebrate and present their offering to God. As Deuteronomy says, you shall count off the seven weeks, begin to count the seven weeks from the day when the sickle is first put to the standing grain, and then you shall keep a feast of weeks for the Lord your God, and the measure of your own voluntary offering which you have given shall be in proportion to the blessing the Lord your God has given to you. Or again, as the book of Numbers puts it, on the feast, or on the day of the first fruits, on the feast of weeks, when you present to the Lord your offering of new grain, you shall declare a holy day, and you shall do no heavy work. So this feast of weeks, Pentecost as we call it, was one of the three great agricultural festivals in the Old Testament. The other two being, as we already said, unleavened bread, which marked the start of the grain harvest, and the Feast of Booths, or Sukkot, which marked the end of the fruit harvest. And this is the first level of meaning for this Feast of Pentecost, or weeks. The first level is at the level of the natural, or perhaps we would say the cosmic level. And we can still see this connection to this day in the practice of decorating churches with greenery, with plants. You might even see some pictures online of Russian churches which love to even bring grass and scatter it all over the floor to fill the whole church with green. And we still have some vestige of this today in the beautiful plants that Matushka provided. And then going beyond then this first level, this cosmic and natural level, the Feast of Pentecost over time began to take on a deeper significance. 
This became, first of all, as a result of the connection that was made between the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. As we said already, unleavened bread marked the start of the grain harvest, but it very quickly became connected with the Passover events. The exodus from Egypt that recalled God's mighty act of liberation on behalf of his people who were languishing in slavery in Egypt. As Deuteronomy 16 says, you shall not eat leavened bread with the Passover. For seven days you shall eat it only with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, so that you you may remember as long as you live the day that you left the land of Egypt, for in hurried flight you left the land of Egypt. And of course, they still eat matzah, which is the name, unleavened bread. Once this connection then was made, Passover and Exodus, and unleavened bread, it was only a matter of time before the Feast of Pentecost, or weeks, was associated with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. For after all, after the Exodus, the people journeyed into the wilderness to Mount Sinai, where Moses received the tablets of the law. And we can see this connection is already being drawn by approximately the year 150 before the Common Era. We have evidence of this in the Book of Jubilees, which is a pseudepigraphal Jewish text from about 150 BCE. And it speaks of the Feast of Weeks or of Pentecost as a covenant renewal festival. Recalling when God made the covenant with Moses and with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai and gave them the Torah. And then this, ex- this connection is made explicit much later by the Jewish sages of the rabbinic period after the destruction of the temple. We read in the Babylonian Talmud that the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost is, quote, the day on which the Torah was given. So the second level of meaning for this feast, this Feast of Pentecost, is a historical remembrance. It's a historical remembrance of the revelation of God on Mount Sinai. On that mountain of old, Moses ascended and God mystically revealed himself, entered into covenant with the people and with Moses, and gave them the blessing of the commandments and the promise of salvation. There are several key features of this great revelation of God on Mount Sinai that are significant for the scriptures we heard this morning from Acts. As we read in the Septuagint version of Exodus, it happened on the third day when it was towards dawn, sound and lightning and dark cloud were occurring on the mountain of Sinai. The sound of the trumpet was ringing loudly and all the people in the camp were terrified. Now the Mount Sinai was smoking in its entirety because God had come down upon it in fire. And the smoke was rising up like the smoke of a furnace 
and all the people were astonished. So, there are three features of this theophany included in the Exodus account. A great sound in the heavens and even trumpet blasts. Secondly, signs and wonders in the heavens, lightning, dark cloud. Thirdly, fire and smoke from the very presence of God. And these features of the theophany on Mount Sinai bring us to the third level of meaning for the Feast of Pentecost. The third level is the prophetic, which points to God's plans for the future of humanity and his world. So we heard last night in the prophecy of Joel, the second chapter, these words, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also your, my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And this is important. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we can see, this prophecy looks forward to the great and fearful day of the Lord when the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. And this prophecy of the great day of the Lord is couched once again in the language of biblical theophany, the appearance of God, the revelation of God. Like the theophany that we saw on Mount Sinai in Exodus, this one is also marked by signs and wonders in the heavens and fire and smoke. Signals, once again, of the very presence of God. This prophecy of Joel is fulfilled then on this day of Pentecost as the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem. They were waiting for what our Lord had promised when he departed. And this is what they hear, what we heard in the Acts of the Apostles. It says, suddenly there came from the sky a noise, like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house which they were in. And then we hear, there appeared on them tongues as a fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And then we hear they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So once again, we have these features of theophany, of a biblical theophany, a great and terrible sound, a strong wind, fire, signifying the presence of God, 
and the outpouring of the Spirit. In other words, all the previous levels of meaning of this great feast, the cosmic, the historical, the prophetic, were taken up and fulfilled on this great day. The twelve disciples representing the renewed tribes of Israel gathered together. They hear the sound from heaven and the whole house is filled with smoke just like Mount Sinai shook at the very presence of God. Tongues of fire descended on all of them just like the fire descended on the mountain. Just as Moses had ascended the mountain into the clouds, so also Christ ascended into the clouds. And just as Moses had returned to give the people the law of the first covenant, so Christ also sent the Spirit and enabled and gave birth to the new covenant. This new covenant, which is hinted at and pointed to in the third Old Testament reading we heard last night at Great Vespers taken from the prophet Ezekiel, where he says, I will pour out, or I will give you rather, a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. All of this great mystery is fulfilled this day. Pentecost is truly the completion of all that Christ accomplished. The kingdom of God is now open to all. A new covenant has been established. God has given us hearts of flesh and poured out his spirit upon all of us. All can enjoy the truth of God that Christ promises the Spirit would reveal. All can taste the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of this comes because we have received power from on high, as our Lord promised, the power of the Holy Spirit. Notes that it's power from on high. We do not rely on our own strength, our own might, not power from below, but power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. And only by walking in this power are we enabled to walk, not according to the flesh, but we are able to walk according to the Spirit of the living God whom we have received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.